Hello there. So today I'm going to be talking about how the system is nuts, as usual. I'll talk about how society and culture play a role in all of this. Uh, but first I'm going to start with the labor unions. That is, unions of the real kind with actual people power. Being attacked from many angles, I think we can expect all of these mega corporations to blame unions for the uh, corporations increasing prices as another tool to bludgeon the working class within the never-ending propaganda war against people having a voice. Unions, if done well, represent the average working person who wants a hand in making some of the rules. And instead of being praised and encouraged, they're generally attacked and undermined, especially the more progressive ones. However, I say unions can be seen as being about as patriotic as anything else. You know, when George Washington proclaimed, you have, a, you have in a common cause found and triumphed together, those words could, could have just as well described any solid union win, right? You know, the victorious language that's so often, you know, thrown around in various contexts. Well, sure enough, it actually applies also to uh, the victories that workers had over the years. I remember even my mom, by no means a far-left radical or what have you, but she actually stood with her union back when she worked in the healthcare field, and she supported their efforts to, uh, you know, have some, some gains. And now, because we're heading to a theocracy, I can imagine people arguing with arguing with their coworkers about things like abortion rights, you know, issues that weren't even really being debated in workplaces or in homes that much as uh, intensely as they surely are right now. That's because some people are always wanting things either frozen in time or just as often. They want to keep turning that clock back you know, to have us go further back in time. And it's not normal nostalgia either in the way that fuddy-duddies like myself might miss the good old days of renting videotapes from Blockbuster or, or something like that. Now, I think it's a lot weirder and more dangerous, and it definitely sucks. So, for example, uh, because of the way things are going now, women can have a miscarriage... And what do you know? In comes a theocratic detective to see if it was a regular, unplanned, biological miscarriage or a miscarriage of justice. So you can imagine McGruff the crime dog showing up to slap on the cuffs, you know, of somebody who went through the unfortunate experience of having a miscarriage um, instead of their planned childbirth. And what are the odds that these dipshit religious loons will always get it right anyway. You know, like, are, are you really telling me that they're never going to falsely accuse somebody of, you know, uh, intentionally having uh, an aborted baby when it was actually just a miscarriage? You're going to tell me science is really going to be at the forefront of all this? Fat chance. And, you know, what are the odds that no one is falsely accused of of that, of, you know, intentionally losing their baby. 
even though it was unplanned and you know i mean they're going to be cons- they're going to be throwing in some conspiracy theories into the mix too you know because you can never have something just be an unfortunate event you know any any time there's some sort of social problem it's you know some nefarious plot now all of a sudden and do you really think the private prison industry which still exists and thrives do you think they're not going to thrive harder in, you know, these blood red states? You know, once uh, you're able to throw people in prison, be over over having abortions, what are the odds that they won't be pushing for more of these incarcerations and maybe some nice prison labor to boot? You know, why not take even more advantage of of these people? You know, they're already doing it. They're already exploiting them for you know, the uh, political capital, why not also exploit them for profits in the prison industry, you know, with these private prisons and all that kind of stuff. Plus, hey, the Republicans can now add another way to say, look, we're being tough on crime. We're throwing these poor women in. Well, they won't be calling them poor. They'll be calling them monsters. So they'll say, well, we're throwing these monstrous women in a prison now. You know, so it's it's a whole other, uh, you know, with each new aspect of totalitarianism, you know, you have a whole new industry that can crop up. Well, more than one. I'm sure there are many ways to cash in on this craze. So um, maybe they will actually want abortions in a sense because you can have more people incarcerated. And then, hey, you have a new slave labor force and maybe you get certain kinds of people locked up that are traditionally maligned by, you know, the conservative movement or the system, if you will. And I'll let you figure out what, you know, what this might entail, which groups might be targeted and all that kind of stuff. So the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, the uh, Supreme Court justice and co-founder of the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU, she said back in the day that women's rights are an essential part of the overall human rights agenda, trained on the equal dignity and ability to live in freedom all people should enjoy. You know, a nice quote, quite honorable. I I have nothing negative to say about it. But keep in mind, you know, uh, back, back in the good old days, as some people would say, they were actually mad about women working and told her not to, you know, in a lot of different ways. In fact, in some creepy corners of the United States, we seem to be hearing that argument louder and louder again. Again, like we're going back into a time machine. You know, maybe we'll have actual witch trials and shit like that. Who knows? It's a lame-ass echo from the past beckoning us backward. And in the early 20th century, just about 20% of all women were gainful workers Um, that's according to the Brookings Institution. And of course, that was always a struggle. And they would do things like try to get a woman fired from her job, you know, and of course they were demonized. I'm sure, I'm sure women who worked in certain industries were accused of the horrible crime of lesbianism. You know, you've, you got all that kind of stuff, all that icky and gross stuff that, uh, the far right we're always up to. 
So also keep in mind, it was not until 1974 that women were fully allowed to get credit cards without a cosigner. And that was only seven years before I was born. And yes, I am getting older, but 1974 is still not ancient history, is it? You know, that's not really that long ago. Similarly, remember that it was still legal for individual states to ban interracial marriage until the case of Loving versus Virginia, all the way back on June 12, 1967. Again, not ancient history, but you know, you'll hear conservatives saying, but my state's rights, forgetting that it's not state's rights that are paramount, but the rights of citizens and of humans who happen to live in the United States. But a lot of the attempts to turn back the clock go back at least partly to the Reagan years. In fact, I hate to say it, but even when you talk about, you know, former President Obama, you are in some ways talking about echoes of Reagan and Reaganism. So President Obama once talked about the passing of Nancy Reagan. He said, quote, as somebody who is lucky enough to have an extraordinary partner in my life as well, I know how much she meant not just to President Reagan, but to the country as a whole. Now, that's a relatively innocent statement, right? But remember, you know, it's not just in that sense that the Democratic Party has had some crossover with Republicans. In this case, Obama, on multiple occasions, said he is actually more conservative than Nixon. Specifically, at one point, he said, quote, the truth that the truth of the matter is, when you look at some of my policies, in a lot of ways, Richard Nixon was more liberal than I was. Yes, that is what Obama actually told Fox News' Bill O'Reilly. And sure enough, even on the so-called social conservative issues, let's remember both Obama and Hillary Clinton were initially opposed to legalizing same-sex marriage, among other things. So these are liberal issues that are now considered basically a slam dunk, and so is legalizing marijuana, at least increasingly, as obviously it's happening in a number of states, including my state of Michigan. Obviously, when we talk about, you know, the disgraced former President Trump, we're also talking about Reagan. Sure, some Democrats and never-Trumpers want to keep Reagan's legacy distant and in many ways shielded from Trump, but in many ways Trump was really a natural outgrowth from years and years of sustained Reaganism. And actually, if, if we're being fair and comprehensive, some of that Christian evangelical stuff was also in the roots of Jimmy Carter's campaigns and his presidency. So again, there's a little bit of the two parties intertwining, I know a lot of, you know, vote blue no matter who, blue wave Democrats would object to me pointing that out, but it's actually factual. Sorry, sorry folks. And it's easy to see that Trump tries to use Reagan-era mythology to his advantage. At one point, Trump even shared a fake quote attributed to Ronald Reagan on Twitter with a photo of the two shaking hands 
when Trump was younger, and the false quote says, for the life of me, and I'll never know how to explain it when I met that young man, it felt like I was the one shaking hands with the president, end quote. So Reagan never actually said that, apparently, but something being false never stopped Trump from sharing it before. And Trump had also stolen Reagan's slogan of making America great again. That's right, MAGA itself was not original. It's a slogan that was stolen from Reagan. Oops. So, you know, you can you can pretend he's great and innovative, but in terms of propaganda, no, he really didn't invent a whole lot of new stuff. And in fact, you can tell he's not a creative genius if you've ever watched more than one of his rallies because he just repeats the same inane shit over and over again each and every time. The main thing that changed is that Trump no longer says anything nice at all about Democrats. And in 2015, made precious little effort to separate himself from extremist far-right elements. So there's a little bit of room for context here. Even Ronald Reagan had tried to separate himself significantly from the John Birch Society back in the day, which the Democrats of the time were always trying to link him to. And ultimately, they actually failed in their efforts to do that. In contrast, Trump only kind of distances himself from neo-fascist types when he absolutely feels he must. And then it's really only with a shrug, and he'll go right along to make a bunch of the racist comments in his next rally speech. And quite plainly, Reagan was more likely to address actual reality, even though he still obviously would lie sometimes. Still, the propaganda elements of Reagan are a huge part of what helped Trump succeed, tapping into the so-called traditionalist mythos. And to be fair again, Trump was not always an ultra-divisive Republican himself. In fact, the Donald was absolutely right when he told Wolf Blitzer way back in 2004, quote, I've been around for a long time and it just seems that the economy does better under the Democrats than the Republicans, end quote. So a person might say Trump was more, way more to the right than the so-called Reagan revolution, but I would still suggest it's been a relatively natural, predictable progression after years of hardline Republican and corporate Democrat dominance, dominance over the system, including the propaganda system. Remember, Reagan once called Medicare socialized medicine. I'm sure he did it more than once, but, you know, famously referred to it as that. And he claimed it would lead to the demise of a free society. So, of course, somehow a bloated military budget, you know, spending money on weapons and wars and funding dictators and terrorist groups, well, that literally killed and enslaved people but somehow that would not lead to the demise of a free society. And, it, you know, it's kind of funny how that works, right? You know, you engage in actual, <laughs> you know, terrorism and violence and uh, funding extremists and dictators. 
that somehow helps a free society. But, you know, if you want to provide people with things like health care or, you know, any type of social spending, you know, uh, anything that could be considered a welfare type of benefit, well, that's like the biggest tyranny imaginable. It's just kind of funny. So the narrative has always been about demonizing social programs that help people while praising the military and being hesitant to help minorities. So Reagan had a mixed record regarding black Americans, to say the least. And he, I would say it's, it's fair to say that he only supported them as a calculated move. And if you really want to hear him at his worst in that regard, in conversation, you can look into the 1971 phone call between Reagan, who was then governor of California, and President Richard Nixon at the time, where Reagan let a few real doozies slip out. Basically, if you're on a steady diet of Republican talking points, you'll come out like, I'm not talking about equal wages or equal treatment of people of color or women. That's a bunch of liberal nonsense. I'm more concerned about Obama's invisible death panels and FEMA camps. I can just feel them lurking around the corner, can't you? Meanwhile, far-right neo-Nazi groups are trying to start paramilitary units and literally attempting to overthrow the government and impose a theocratic dictatorship. And word up to some who insist we should avoid divisive politics and just focus on frivolities. Really, we're supposed to hear the sound of crickets. You know, we're supposed to just keep looking the other way, pretend none of that's none of that stuff I just described matters. Well, we would still hear them crickets if certain events didn't shock some people awake. And thankfully, more people are realizing, oh shit. We might actually have to do something about the threat that's coming from the far right. And, you know, these self-professed Christian nationalists, also known as Christian terrorists on our soil. It's not just bearded freaks like Osama bin Laden, but some of the bearded freaks out there have a few things in common with Republican Jesus and those Duck Dynasty guys. You know, there is a wide gulf between where we ought to be and where we are now, and I don't know that we're really fixing it. This new big thing, sometimes called Trumpism, is not really a traditional conservative ideology, so much as it is a neo-fascist, theocratic personality cult, bringing a lot of nepotism and narcissism, and with no regard for the, even the concept of telling the truth, they lie even when they don't have to, sometimes even when it puts them at a disadvantage because they know that somewhere lurking out there, there are some, you know, potential terrorist reinforcements willing to try to bail them out through force if necessary. And the weak liberals out there who so long acted as the loyal opposition might still not fully appreciate the brutal reality of what is happening and what could happen, and that is partly because they want to think this trend is dying down. Well, it's not really dying down. In fact, it's probably ramping up, and it's only going to get uglier 
when more of these people feel backed into a corner. And keep in mind, these are people who display their persecution complexes for a living. Do you, do you think they really are going to suddenly discover principles when things truly are not going their way? Not bloody likely. They're only going to get worse. And I hate to leave on a negative note like that, but that's the truth.